Almighty Padmiham. Religion, science, myths and legends all point toward the next evolution in human consciousness. What do the invisible realms hold? Who's telling us and how do they know? We're investigating insights from around the world to answer the question, what does the material world arise out of and where do we go once we've dropped the body? You're about to go interdimensional with Robert Wallace and Adam Jeffrey to Undiscovered Spiritual Realities. My own brother, sister. Silence the body. Silence the mind. Let the waves of interdimensionality roll through you. That's right. Be still and know I am God. Be nice to the brother, kind to the mother, be hospitable to the stranger within your gates. We're discussing indiscriminate kindness, or at least the striving thereafter. And then give and it will be given, how withholding holds and forgiveness forgives. Bear your cross, and your brothers too, how lifting ungrateful weights lifts the hearts of those you serve. And finally, needing needs, contentment contents, how you're self-sabotaging your prayer life. All right, and welcome to Spiritual Realities. I'm Robert Wallace, and this is... Adam Jeffrey. Adam Jeffrey. Hello there. So, we've got a smorgasbord of good material today. It's safe for the whole family, so gather round, one and all. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the effects of stilling the body and the mind in your meditation, meditative prayer practice, and the effect that that uh, would have on a person the more perfectly you apply it to your spiritual life. So, the reason why we're not seeing into spiritual realities is because we have a lot of body noise and a lot of mind traffic mm -hmm. that's distracting us from the very subtle spiritual flow that's going through everybody. So in our meditative practices, we know that if we stop the thought process, then spiritual things start to happen. So I want to talk about that. Cool. Okay. So in my personal experiences, um, if you've tuned into past episodes, uh, you've know I've discussed how I was able to, with the teachings of Rudolf Steiner, uh, move into other dimensions in meditation through the stopping and the stilling of the thought life. And I think it's important to supplement this with the whole be still and know I am God, because unfortunately there's a lot of Christian-minded people who would experience the kingdom of heaven long after they're dead, hmm. instead of beginning to access and broach the thresholds into these other dimensions by stilling and silencing their thought life. Right. Um, have you noticed an uh, increased ability, just on a very superficial level, to concentrate and be present by stopping your thoughts, Adam? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think I've mentioned before that um, I have been called ADD for most of my life, and so... Um, concentration is difficult for me. I'm, I'm not ADHD, like where I'm all over the place, but it, but it's it's always been very difficult for me to focus, particularly when people are talking. And meditation has helped me with that because it's helped me to learn how to control my thoughts rather than being controlled by them. And actually to even question whether or not everything I think is actually my own thoughts, which may sound weird to people at first, um, 
one one person um one meditation guru that uh, I have listened to in the past talks about he uses the analogy of trains um and, and thinking of your mind as a train station and that not every train that comes through is one that you want to get on board they might take you to the wrong place and so that's one I've been using a lot lately, and it really helps me with the concentration issue because lots of trains are coming in and out of the station, and I have to be still and and kind of decipher which ones I do and don't want to get on. A lot of times it's best just to not get on any of them and just be present. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at here is just kind of being still and, and learning how to control this traffic of the mind, yeah. Yeah, I I think that raises a really important point you know, even when we're meditating and we're in the silent stillness, it doesn't mean that thoughts are not going to arise. Right. The thing is not reacting to those thoughts. Right. Not clinging to those thoughts. That's what allows them to pass. And that's really what the, the thoughtless notion is. Uh, Rudolf Steiner does say, though, in my thoughts, I am united with the stream of cosmic existence. Hmm. So at the same time, while we control our thoughts more and more, and we're selective about the thoughts that we do think, we'll start to notice when we are thinking in a spiritual way, the effects that, that the spiritual world begins to have. We start to have spiritual phenomena happen that correlate with the thoughts we're thinking. Hmm. And in that moment, we realize that in our thoughts, we are united with the stream of cosmic existence. So there is a place for thoughts. Yeah. Uh, when meditating on plants, uh, for instance, as we talked about a while back, thinking thoughts or whatever your object of meditation is from the perspective of the object puts you in the selfless sort of state of mind, which can be just as good in a sense as having no thought because it's really about getting out of your own ego uh, environment of, you know, self-centered thoughts. Right. That's what separates you. So if you can bridge that, maybe think only what Adam's thinking about and from Adam's perspective, Right. And what's in Robert's hair right now. Oh, thanks, Adam. Let's pick that up. Uh, then perhaps you'll be able to expand into these other dimensions. I say perhaps, but in reality, you will. Hmm. A couple uh, analogies uh, come to me on the subject. Uh, if you ever see those transparencies, you know, when you're in school and the teacher has the projector and they put the transparency on the projector. Yeah. And, and you know these books where they like the medical books and they'll have like a, the anatomy and they'll have multiple transparencies and you can peel away one layer after another right. to get down to the base layer? Well, that's kind of how I see the thought life. Hmm. You know, there's the physical sensation needs of the body. Turn that page. Then you've got the thought life and the concerns for self and the worry and the fears and all that. Turn that page. Hmm. And what's behind that is the spiritual ambience of the universal mind. So wow. to get through these, we need to turn these pages or turn down our awareness and attention to those. Uh, another analogy that uh, occurs to me is that of the background noise and, and interference and things like that. You know, you could have somebody whispering all kinds of wisdom in the room, but as long as you've got, you know, ACDC cranked up or you have, you know, the you know, moaning and crying over here turned up. You can have anything playing in the background. You'd never know. Yeah. And so once you kind of turn down these noise elements, and no offense to ACDC and the people who love ACDC. That was my point. But <laughs> noise and anything yeah. that isn't this still silence in the background is keeping you from hearing the essence that is, in fact, behind everything. Yeah. I think that's a super important point. Uh, for me as a songwriter, 
that's something that I've had to learn as a discipline because um, early when I was learning how to write, I was listening to other people's work a whole lot, which is good. Like, like you said, it's no offense to ACDC or anybody else to say this. It's actually um, helpful to a degree to listen to other people's work as we're learning how to do our own. But there comes a point where we have to learn and, and to practice the discipline of being still so that we can hear what we need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, so basically I had to learn to stop listening to other people's songs all the time so that I could hear my own songs or hear the songs that needed to be manifested here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the same is true. That That is a spiritual thing for me, songwriting is. And so I think um, you can see how that uh, interplays with the spiritual dimensions because mm-hmm. we have to be still and quiet to hear the wisdom in the room. Like you said, I think that's a great analogy. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I just see how that applies to my songwriting personally, but I hope other people could see how, wh- whatever their work might be, if they're, they're a playwright or, you know, I mean, I think that our work is spiritual too. So if we're, if we're still in that moment, instead of just constantly watching somebody else's movie or constantly listening to somebody else's song, or whatever the case may be, we have to be still and hear what God wants to do through us. Right. Yeah. And, and new ideas will arise out of silence. Wisdom concepts will come to you. Yeah. I was also thinking about, remember the old-fashioned, you know, uh, 3D, you know, it's the blue and the red overlaid. But if you look through one lens, it's red, and the other, it's blue. But mm. when you put them together, it gives you this three-dimensional space right well we have our internal noise and we have the external noise the lucifer and harmonic perhaps we right might. right but when they blend together in perfect balance that vesica pisces inner sort of overlay then we get this holistic surround sound three-dimensional space hmm. and so you know we have our internal dialogue and we have what's coming in from outside of us and when we pull away from our judgments and, and our reactions to our inner thoughts about ourselves and those about the outer world, it speaks to us in another way and something else comes through. Wow. Three-dimensional interdimensionality. That's deep. That's, a, that's a, <laughs> just, yeah, concepts to work with, to kind cool. of, yeah. And um, another thought, it's like, you know, you got a drum set and it's in the studio and nobody's playing it. Mm-hmm. But you're over here making noise. But if you look at that drum, it's starting to reverberate and it's making its own noise. Yeah. But if somebody's playing that drum, you don't hear anything coming from it. But it's a very subtle sort of reverberation that happens when it's not being played. Sure. So if we think of the drum like our mind and the playing as our thoughts, stop playing the thoughts and you're going to hear something rumbling in mm. from another world. Love it. You're speaking my language today. That's the, the language the, of music. music. Yeah. And, and, and I'll add to that from my personal experience, if the drummer forgets to turn his snare off when he's not playing a song, then that, that thing, man, it really reverberates. You'll just hear, you know, mm. so you're playing a soft, beautiful song, and everybody's like, what, what is that? <laughs> and in this case, that's actually a good thing if, yes, if we're clearing yeah. that to yeah. the voice of the unseen. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'm really glad that we handled that because... Uh, being stillness and silent is more than being still and silent. It's learning what to do with the inevitable mind traffic. Yeah. And, 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 it, and once you really have that breakthrough, though, 
it's easier once you get through to another dimension this way it's easier to actually create stillness and silence more intentionally for sure but if, i i see it like any discipline you know it's like it, it, you know jogging at first is oh man it, i feel like i'm gonna die you know if, <laughs> if it's been a long time but once you get into it it actually becomes easier and you start to feel the benefits, you know, so I think the same thing is true with being still. At first, you know, some people might go, well, this kind of seems lazy, but it's just all these various voices we're wrestling with or difficult in whatever ways. Yeah, but as with any discipline, it gets easier and you start to see the benefits for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Next subject on the docket. Uh, be nice to the brother, kind to the mother. Be hospitable to the stranger within your gates. We're discussing indiscriminate kindness and, or at least a striving thereafter. Mm. Okay. So what got me thinking about this is I saw this picture uh, from this movie of these uh, uh, two, I don't think it's derogatory to call them crackheads. They were really strung out characters and they were robbing somebody and they were vicious looking. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't help but think about this, this woman, you know, who was, you know, torn to pieces and everything and how that in her better days how calm she is when things are going right, how well put together she is, you know, uh, and in the right circumstance, she would be a very lovely lady. She would be our friend. Hmm. We would love her very dearly. Hmm. And here we see her and maybe we meet her in this condition where she's falling apart. And there's the tendency to react and to judge her and to be frightened of her. And to not really show her love because she's a threat right now. And mm. so it makes me think about how, you know, we're not just needing to be kind to those that we know, uh, but also, or the people we don't know, but also to those who seem to be uh, a threat to us. Because really, you know, in the right conditions, we could all go psycho. Right. We could lose it. We could. Our, you know, nuts and bolts can fall apart, and we can go to become delirious. Right. And if the world turns on us and all of a sudden starts to treat us the way that we are treating the world at that moment, we're in a sorry state of affairs. Hmm. So, you know, perhaps we can have compassion. And inevitably, we will find ourselves in a disadvantageous position where we will require people's compassion. Hmm. And perhaps we'll find it at that time if we live that way. Absolutely. It's beautiful stuff. I, I think of a verse, I think that it's in Romans comes to mind, um, that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You mm -hmm. know, And so I think of anybody in any particular circumstance, like you're talking about here, this, this lady needs kindness in order to realize that she's on the wrong path, mm -hmm. in order to realize that you know re repentance is one of those old school words that I don't like to use very often, but we might put it in the terms that she needs to change the path that she's on. She mm. needs to realize a new way of living that would be better for her. Um, and so by being kind to her, we, you actually help set in place the, or at least to demonstrate the path, you know, so that it opens her eyes and goes, man, I'm I'm on the wrong path here. Yeah, well, I I appreciate you. You got a, a very open, uh, new age heart, and I'm kind of new agey too. But I'm still got that fire and brimstone in me. So I'm gonna say y'all need to repent. So <laughs> you got good cop, bad cop over here. I don't take it how you want. And with that said, um, in the same way, I'm looking at this person as if they're under a shell of sin. Mm. 
But once you break open that, they're still the same godly divine being. Yeah. So yeah. and and even the exterior might look pretty, you know, and then there might be a level of corruption under that. But again, under that, we still have the same type of person, just a, a drop of divinity. Yeah. And also I along like the that. lines, the Bible says that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. Mm. He'd rather you be nice to this person than to have to come around and say sorry later. Right. You know, so which which is preferred, you know? You know, I don't know. Obviously, it's mercy. So, mercy, yeah. You know, obviously, that that's not always easy to do, but it's something we, we should strive for. And the more we strive for it, the easier it becomes, the more often it's practice, you know, and instead of it being 20-80, it can be 80-20, you know, percent. Right. And then it can overflow. And so we just want to judge not, lest we be judged. And I want to hit that, too, because I think that's one of the nice little, I want to say shortcuts, but it's one of the very concise, you know, if you don't know anything else about, you know, heaven and its attainment, is if you forgive, then you'll be forgiven. And if you're condemning people, no matter how petty your own personal sins are, you'll be condemned for that. So, you know, the easiest thing you can do is if you can't remember anything else, you know, doing unto others is just don't condemn other people. Right. You know, mind your business and think about how you were, how you've been in their position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so sometimes that is all that you need to think about. I think there's a discipline to this, too, that I've experienced in my life. You know, and it actually sometimes takes discipline. You just said drops of divinity, and I love that. Um, I think of G.K. Chesterton's poem. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but mm. um, he has a poem uh, about the million faces of God and, and learning to see you know, as you walk around and experience the million faces of God. And for me, that has taken a certain amount of discipline in addition to meditation, but actually practicing as you walk through your day to see drops of divinity in everyone you encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's a little bit of a discipline until, like anything else, it becomes natural. Mm-hmm. You know, you, as you walk around, you just say, hey, I, I might see that person's flaws, um, but I can also see the divinity. I can also find the face of God. I can find the Christ in that person despite their flaws, you know, and so that makes not judging easier, you know, and just like Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these you've done to me, you start to see how all these concepts are so interconnected, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, life keeps ramping up the challenges uh, according to the level we're at. And, you know, the school of life, you know, no matter how far up and how much you progress is always going to be something that's going to hit that one button that you weren't protecting right at that moment. Right, of course. Or, you know, or, you know, fling you off into a a mild rage. And, (laughs) but then when you're calm, it's like all the logic and everything is there. Yeah. But at the time, I mean, it wouldn't be much of a challenge if it wasn't really trying to provoke you to look at the holes and look at the air bubbles in your cup, you know? Absolutely. It was in one of the Gnostic Gospels that said, you know, it made an analogy to us being cups filled with some substance and and the holes that would eventually, these air bubbles that would eventually come to the top and it would sink down and and come to its level. Hmm. And so we should, while we're still alive, seek to push these bubbles up and out. Wow. That's a good one, too. Not until after we're dead. And it's like, whoa, embarrassed. (laughs) Embarrassed much? Um, Right. All right, now, along the same lines, we're going to talk about give and it will be given, 
and how withholding with uh, holds and forgiveness forgives. So specifically, the psychic import of our thoughts on others. And so hmm. everybody can really feel this. Sometimes I feel like, you know, if we're not as conscious as we could be, we think we can get away with telling somebody something we think they want to hear in order to get the result that we want to get. But we don't realize that most or a lot of people are just as able to see through manipulation as we are. Mm -hmm. We all kind of think that we are able to get one over on other people, but it's like just as clear to all of us, if you think about it, when right. somebody's doing that to you. So how do you think that you're, you know, got your invisibility cloak on? How do you think that, you know, they can't see you? And so what it really comes down to is what is the intent of the heart? Where are you really at? Because it'll affect mm. every inflection of your voice. Wow. It'll be carried on the winds of your voice. And so there's no way to hide what's really there. That's why I think when we're hearing people who are talking with a lot of, like T.D. Jakes, uh, Time Magazine called him America's Best Preacher. I'm a big fan. He's very inspirational. Okay, But it's like if somebody else were to give, give the same sermons, you know, without the same depth of heart and feeling mm -hmm. in the headspace where his head is at, it just wouldn't carry the same sort of emotional impulse, like the weight that it does. Hmm. And so there's no substitute. Uh, the Bible says, uh, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Hmm. People come up to you and they're nice to you with their words, but their hearts are far from you. You right. know? Right. They, they want something... They have an agenda, something like that. And um, sometimes we miss it because we hear what we want to hear, you know. Right. We want it, We like the flattery. And that's a danger, too, because what flatters you can also bring you down. Absolutely. And as a self-protective measure, it's important to mention that what's bringing you down uh, is also capable of bringing you up and if you're allowing that to modulate your mood you've lost control of yourself and somebody else has control of you mm. so you know we want to remain in a state of equanimity at all times another discipline you're not gonna get me oh wait <laughs> okay sometimes i lose control that's that's a pretty difficult place to stay you know, that state of equanimity, I, I think. My experience has course, been that that's yeah. a difficult place to be. I, yeah. don't, I don't know why is that. Is that like a societal conditioning that we feel like we need to, um, I don't know, is it an ego thing? Is it? I think know? it is an ego thing. Yeah. I think we're interbulated uh, because of our own desires and wants, because yeah. of our own selfishness. We're right. prone to look at issues from a you know, self-serving perspective, whether this is good for me or whether it's bad for me, whether it's going to bring pain or pleasure for me. And we don't see it as all things, good or bad, you know, are for the glory of God to teach us something. Yeah. You know, uh, great things come through suffering and sorrow and tribulation. That's where strength comes from. Yeah. You know, but you could be born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You could never know challenges or trouble. And the first time some real world issue hits you, you know, you have no strength to handle it. You're useless, you know. Mm. So unless you're going to throw money at everything in your life, you know, you have to develop yourself and you have to confront everything, uh, good or bad, in a balanced way. And I think that's what most of us suffer with, though, is we're brought down 
buy things that we expect will fill us up, even though they're not capable of filling us up. Mm. And so we're creating our own Achilles heel with our ego. For sure. I want that. Well, now it's become an Achilles heel for you. Because as soon as somebody knows you want that, they can take advantage of you. They can offer that to you for a price. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, this is definitely coincidence stuff for me because I've, I've been wrestling with these kinds of issues this week. And it's been good. I'm, I'm getting to the other side of that now where I had some ego issues that I didn't know that I had. And they needed to come up into my face, you know, so I could go, I need to die to this. You know, the, mm. this was something that I expected would bring me joy in my life. And it's not being fulfilled the way that I wanted it to. And, and so I go, wow, this is a place that I didn't even know that it was there. Mm. But it came up. And so I, I'm actually grateful for it. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm at the other side of it now, and I'm grateful for it. So I, I think it's cool that we're talking about that today. Yeah. And yeah, it's a great place to put our attention on. And the very first lines of the, the song we've been using, uh, The Compassionate Mind by Marla Maples, has, uh, you've heard it at the opening of every show, uh, you hear the Dalai Lama, and the first few things he's saying, if you listen to it being drawn out, is all the pain and the suffering and the worries all come from a self-centered attitude. Mm. And as long as you're thinking in terms of your mission, the kingdom of heaven, other people's well-being, all sorts of things can befall you, and you're going to keep moving. You don't ruminate in it. You're not wallowing in that sadness. Right. It's not part of your concentration. Yeah. So, you know, elevate your thinking. Elevate your priorities. It's good stuff. Mm. You know, I think an interesting irony, I'll, I'll just hit on that really quick, that, I, that I'm still learning, um, like as of this day, is that not only does that become seeking first the kingdom of God, you know, that, that it's good for the kingdom of God, but really it's good for us, whether or not we can see it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is what will eventually make us happy. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because, um, you know, just thinking in terms of uh, discipline as a child, yeah. when we're being disciplined, obviously, you know, we resent our parents, we resent the circumstances, we resent the suffering that we're in. Mm-hmm. But after you grow up, you look back and a lot of us look back and wish that we had more discipline. Yeah. We see that the prices that we are paying actually served us well and protected us from a lot of suffering that others that we knew who didn't have that discipline are suffering with. Hmm. So, you know, you know, the whole spare, you know, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child thing, uh, you know, or is the, what is the twig is bent? So is the, the tree or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. if you start out in one trajectory, you're only going to firm up in that trajectory. Right. So, you know, it's good that we should be raised up in the direction that will grow, you know, yeah. Bring in the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So, And then I think of the bone that doesn't heal right, you know, because if it heals wrong, then what has to happen? Now you've got to re-break the bone Absolutely. and set it, and that's more painful yeah. than it, if it had been fixed in the first place. But again, that's necessary, too, because a lot of us have been growing in the wrong trajectory. So we've got to, you know, do the difficult work of re-breaking and setting. And, and I think that's what's happening for a lot of us. And we're like, oh, no, I can't go through that. But... If we go through it, we find out that it's more beautiful in the long run. It's the healing that it, it has to hurt if it's to heal. You yeah, know? So. that's a great point. And it's like, you know, the more confident we are uh, the way with the way we are, probably the more likely there is that something needs to break. Mm-hmm. Because 
the absolutist sort of mentality, uh, it, it doesn't account for the fact that there are, in fact, you know, gradients of right and wrong. There's situations and positions that in one case are actually, you know, in the sense of the lesser of two evils, it's the right thing for somebody to do. Yeah. It's like the Bible says that the vegetarian shouldn't judge the meat eater and the meat eater shouldn't judge the vegetarian. Right. What's sin for one person isn't necessarily sin for another. And that can be explosive for a lot of people because obviously <laughs> we want to impose, you know, biblical, our biblical interpretation on others, but we don't know like what, you know, they've gone through that makes them think like that, that from their perspective actually makes their decision quite logical. We just right. see it from our perspectives. And then on the flip side, we got people judging us mm -hmm. uh, for things that they don't understand uh, about our sufferings. And so, again, we don't want to impose that on others, so we shouldn't, uh, and we don't want to have that imposed on us, so we shouldn't impose that on others. Right. Which is another way of saying judge not. Judge not. Unless you be judged. Unless you be judged. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, somebody will cut you off in traffic or they'll do some crazy movement and will think, oh, they're just a crazy driver or they're just, they're unconscious or they're just, uh, you know, very self-serving. But then the next day or within an hour, we find that, oh, there was a car in front of us and we have to jolt out of the way. Now somebody's honking at us, not understanding that we ourselves were competing with something inside of our car, in front of us. Right. You know, we don't know the full story. It's exactly. just better to reserve judgment, you know. It's good stuff. Yeah. So give and it will be given. How withholding holds and forgiveness forgives. So... When you got something in your hand, you know, he who withholds more than his meat, even that which he has, will tendeth to rot. Hmm. You might have something in your possession, and somebody may come along and say, ooh, I like that. That's really nice. And it may be something you don't use very often. It may occur to you that, uh, you know, here I could... I could even give it to them. I even hear, you know, behind their voice, they, they, they desire it. But then there's something in me that says, but it's mine. Now, what happens, you know, later down the line, and, and another example of this that I can, I can give from personal experience, is I've had contractors, freelancers, people that I've needed to work with, and there's been some red flag that where I've been burnt in the past. And as soon as I've seen that, I said, oh, no, I'm going to save myself the pain and suffering, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and do a hard pass right now. And they're saying, what, wait, what, what? And I'm good. And we move on, and of course, failure, next person's not just, you know, it's just as bad, or, you know, it costs way too much, or it's not right, and it's never going to be right, because they were the right person. Hmm. And then on top of that, when you go to get an opportunity, somebody looks and finds some minuscule detail of your beingness, and they hold it against you, and they disqualify you. And if you're thinking, you can bring it back to this incident. You'll think, oh, wait, this is just like the time I did such and such and so and so. And if you're thinking, you'll realize this is karma, and it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. You know, sometimes I'll see a spot where maybe I slighted somebody, and now I've been being slighted in the same way. And, and fortunately, it took some time, but I'm at a place where I go, hallelujah, right off the bat, thank you, because that's, like, awesome. It's divine intervention speaking. Even though it's not working in my quote-unquote favor, it is, because this is, like, the fruit. Like, yeah, I'm getting what I deserve, but it's just showing that divinity is still there you know, watching and keeping everything in balance. Yeah. And it's beautifully uh, comforting. Yeah. 
it seems to me like a lot of that just comes down to trust, too. We have to trust that we don't necessarily see the full picture, not only for other people, as you've stated so well, but really for ourselves. We think we know what's right for us. We think we know what's best for us, but we need to just trust God in a, in a moment where, oh my gosh, all my plans are crumbling mm-hmm. before me, and we just have to st- step back and go, okay, so those were my plans, and I was actually wrong, mm-hmm. perhaps, in the direction that I was moving. Now I need to see what God has for me rather than what I thought mm-hmm. was right, because that's obviously not working. Yeah, and exactly. and I've got to trust rather than God. Where are you now? And in in raging against God and saying, "Why have you done this to me?" Actually, step back and 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 trust and say, "Hey, I was wrong." So what's what's right? What's next? You know? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, along them lines too is um, yeah, what you know God has planned for us and how He's going to get us to where we want to go. It doesn't always look the way we want it to look. It doesn't right. come the way we think it should come by the person in the way, you know, we want something, but we want the money to do it. Yeah. So when it's, so I don't want to see, you wouldn't even recognize the opportunity for the thing because you're waiting only for money. You don't realize yeah. that if you know what you want, it can come and you may not even have to touch dollar bill. Wow. You may win it. Maybe, hey, I got this extra, something, something like that. Right. So, you know, figure out what you want and don't pre-plan the way that God has to deliver it. And, you know, perhaps all your dreams will definitely come true. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of this whole thing is sometimes it's not meant to be. And we get warnings, you know, somebody who would otherwise, you know, maybe a, a, could be a contractor, it could be, you know, whoever, whatever service, there's something not working out. Mm-hmm. And you force yourself into that situation. You say, well, I want it to work. I need you to do this. No, no, you need to do it. And by the time it finally happens, oh, it's a mess. Oh my gosh, they ripped me off. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times that's the thing. It's it's falling apart and then you force yourself into a situation and you only find yourself, you know, getting hurt because actually there was a sign trying to warn you too. Yeah. And so there's a fine line and balance between you know, judging somebody quickly and excusing them or forcing yourself into closed doors mm-hmm. that were shut for a reason. Wow. Mm. Really good stuff. Um, so we're talking also in terms of uh, giving and withholding and forgiveness about the psychic import of our thoughts on others. So uh, they can, uh, people can feel what your intentions are. And this kind of blurs together a couple of things we just talked about. But if, for instance, you're asking for something, uh, and you have this need to have it, then it'll actually uh, prevent it from happening for you. Hmm. And because what's happening is this other person, these other people who are uh, have you know the decision makers, they'll put up, they'll feel resistance to helping you because here's this person craving, and they don't know why. They don't probably don't even realize that there's a resistance. All they know is they don't like you. They don't want to. But it's because you. You want it so bad. Hmm. But if you ask, you say, God, I would I'd like this and that. And you remember that you're, you're thinking, you know, for the greatest good, for the greatest number of people, you know, maybe it does affect you personally. Maybe it's something that you want, but you would always be happy to share or to share the experiences. So long as it, you want it, so long as it doesn't hurt anybody, you yeah. know, there's reasons. And if you come from that place and then you say, but your will be done, not mine. Yeah. 
then all of a sudden, and you move away from the subject, miraculous synchronicities, coincidence occurs that bring it into your life. And so, again, it's like, you know, we're choking it right out of existence by needing it. Mm. And as soon as you don't need it, then you can have it. As soon as you realize that you don't need it, that you can live without it because these are just items, their experiences, their byproducts, they're infinitely available. But when you're putting all of the stock of your happiness in that, there's a lesson to be learned that happiness is not found in that. And you can have unlimited experiences of whatever you want, but you just shouldn't mix up your happiness with thinking that these things need to happen for that to be. Wow. So the quickest way, and if I'm, you know, I've entrained through the years and I'm still always in training and everybody, you know, will be keep perfecting to the day they're dead. But it's all about in my prayer life, asking if there's something that I, I, I want or there's something I really like to have happen. And then asking God and saying, in the end of the day, though, not my will, your will. And thanks. And dropping it and just becoming. And the more that you see that by not needing it, it manifests, the more comfortable and and, and the more your faith builds and letting it go. Hmm. You don't, because I think initially you think, oh, if I ask for it and then I forget, well, then God's going to forget and I'll never know that it didn't happen because I forgot about it. So that can't be an effective way. And so literally, you know, that faithlessness is what prevents it from happening. Wow. Well, trusting that if I let it go and I never thought about it again, God would not only bring it back, bring it into my life, but he's going to remind me of when I asked for it. Wow. This is going to happen. I'll be like, oh, wow, like this is exactly, and this is five things I asked for all synchronistically brought in by the person wearing this color I was just thinking about, saying these words and, you know, having this background, all these things come together all because I, you know, let it go and I didn't need it to happen. Wow. I gave it space to happen. Yeah. Man, that is, that's amazing. If I'm processing everything you're saying right, it, it's like letting it go. I mean, clinging is obviously suffering, but there's, a, there's even a reason for that. Again, it's kind of like a lack of trust. The more I cling to it, even if I ask God for it, if I continue to cling to it, it's as if I don't trust that God's going to give it. So by letting it go, I'm basically saying, hey, your will. And, and, and if it happens, then it's what you wanted to happen. Yeah. You and just forget about it and let it go. I mean, that's... That's that's amazing to me, you know, because I think about law of attraction and all this stuff, and it's like if I'm holding something and thinking I'm attracting positive energy to that thing, by clinging it, it it's actually becoming a negative thing mm-hmm. because I'm not trusting God for the outcome. Mm-hmm. And Man, it's yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I think another thing that pops into our heads is we think, well, you know, what is this desire that I'm asking for? Would God even entertain it? Should I bother God for it? Why would... And how would that ever come about? Well, the power of life and death is in your tongue, and God gives you the desires of your heart. You know, we are all, like you say, like Jesus quotes, like you are God's. So the thoughts and the things, like your steps are ordained by God. Mm -hmm. So yes, if you have a thought of something you'd like to have happen, it's not insignificant just because you think you're this little ant running around. It is significant. Right. And And it can and will happen for you. Uh, if you let go of the need for it to happen, and then you'll see, wow, even the most insignificant things. Like I was, uh, I'm house hunting. By the way, uh, I'll be repeating this later. The show is going off the airs, off the air here in Memphis, and it's moving straight up podcast format. So you'll be able to continue uh, listening to the show on Spotify, iTunes, and SpiritualRealities.net because I'm moving from Memphis to Chicago. 
anyway, so I was house hunting and in this neighborhood I was looking at in uh, Chicago Highland Park, the first one that Zillow was popping up was Michael Jordan's house. Oh, wow. $14 million mansion. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's for sale right now. For, you know, and the big gates, the number 23 on the uh, gate, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this is this is just an atypical four-time-a-day sort of synchronicity that happens for me. It will for you, too, uh, once you get in these ha- uh, thought habits. Yesterday, so that was two days ago. Yesterday, I went walking while my house is being shown. By the way, if you're looking for a house in Midtown, let me know. I got a beautiful three-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath on uh, the corner of South McLean and Peabody. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> uh, I was walking down a mud Island while my house is being shown and, and then I'm getting ready to turn back and spirits like, no, I'm like, oh, okay. No, this is the, the intuitive touch thing I was talking about and, and past shows. And so I said, okay, so I, I keep walking and then I pass this guy and he's got a big 23 on his chest. Huh. It's a Memphis Jersey, but there's that 23 in that yeah, same font. The number. And these little synchronicities, I don't remember who said it but they said that you know synchronicities are signs that you're on the right path Hmm. so if you're having these things happen it doesn't necessarily mean it's a sign you should do this thing because sometimes i know i've seen had synchronicities i thought oh it's a sign it's meant to be and it doesn't happen that way these are reflections of your inner thought life so sometimes you know we misinterpret things as being signs when really they're just constant feedback we're living in a world of our mind yeah manifested mind form and so what we're thinking about happens and sometimes it's like looking in a mirror and saying oh that freckle on my face is a sign that i should have a freckle on my face you know (laughs) you know what i'm saying we're like looking at it as a sign uh but in reality it does indicate that you are on the right path your thought process is in a trusting state of mind you've got your eyes set on the right goals your you know morals or integrity is the way that it you know that God's, you know, ordaining those steps. Mm. That you are, you know, where you're supposed to be because, you know, uh, the thought process lines up with the mind of God. I think that's really a useful point because a lot of times, I mean, we just had that actually in a house and um, that we bid on. And even the, the realtor on the other side was like, uh, oh, man, you know, I'm way here. You know, Walking Memphis was playing. Actually, she said, I'm away here. You're not going to believe what song is playing. I was like, lady, I play this game all day long. You you heard Walking in Memphis. I already know. Okay, this is nothing. She's like, yes, how did you know? Uh, and so she's like, I think it's a sign. And I said, well, maybe. Because more than several times have I seen supposed signs that really affirmed uh, to me I'm supposed to go around fall apart. And yeah, kind of yeah. showed me, wait, it doesn't necessarily mean that I should do that. Right. Sometimes it does. Yeah. But not all the time. So it seems like it could be a lot to do with your interpretation of the signs as well. Yeah. Because like you could interpret that 23 to mean, oh, we've got to figure out how to get $14 million and, and buy the Jordan mansion, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a feeling that's not the, the sign. That's not what the sign was actually telling you to do. I yeah. suspect you're right. Uh, but when you have enough of these experiences, if you think back or you reflect on the thought that you were thinking that correlates with this, that makes it such a synchronicity you'll realize that you are in a very specific state of calmness, reflectiveness, curiosity, wonderment. For instance, I was, you know, when I was looking at that gate, I was thinking about, you know, him manufacturing it, and especially for him in his, in his jersey number and the significance it had for him, hmm. and that it's left on the gate and, you know, that it might be some prize or, or token or whatever for the next owner. And 
I was just thinking thoughts about the thing from a very open-minded way. And whenever I do that and I'm just doing it, it's always innocent. Like I don't have any intentions of manifesting anything. It's always just general curiosity and just playing with it in my mind. Then it manifests. Somebody brings it to me. It pops up in the most inexplicable way. Yeah. The most impossible thing comes out. And it's like I'm flipping through, a, you know, like a, 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 sh- a show. It just happened to, oh, it happened to my, oh, maybe I want to watch that. That looks curious. And all of a sudden, your entire conversation's in that show. And it's like, man, I didn't have to turn that show on. I didn't, how, you start right. to reverse engineer. How did this come about? Like, how did I make this happen? How was I led into this? And you start to see how these little you know, notions in your mind are actually setting you in a direction. You think your thoughts are your own. You think, you know, what comes to you, you know, thoughts are streaming in from different directions and, you know, the way you're handling them are, uh, you know, making the most out of them or not, you're not yourself, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, did I originate it and then it happened? Did I have the thought because, you know, God inhabits eternity he knows the end from the beginning. Our souls are up on that level. It already knew what was coming, so it had thoughts about what was to come, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Was it more precognition, or was it, you know? So what is the nature of this? And hmm. There's just a lot of nonlinear uh, conundrums that occur when you start to reflect on this stuff. Nice. Now, we're going to talk about... Greg, how much time do we have? Oh, okay, go. Uh, we're going to talk about bearing your cross, your brothers too, and how lifting ungrateful weights lifts the hearts of those you serve. And I think uh, this is a psychic thing you, we all need to think about because we all experience it, but if you don't have any consideration as to how and why it's coming about, you're going to get no value out of it. So whenever you give somebody a duty, like, go mow my lawn, but then you forget, like, you know, perhaps you just... You don't think anything compassion. You just want them to go and do these things, and you want to go and do your own thing. But you don't think about the weight that they're fixing to bear for you. Hmm. Now, that person is going to bear that weight. It's even heavier for them because they're bearing your concern, but without the benefit of the that comes with the compassion or the concern that is you know, gotten from a more self-conscious director of instruction. So I might ask you, oh, you know, I'm going through this. Could you help me with this? Oh, yes, I'll help you. Thank you so much. And while they're off doing it, you're thinking about them and you're so grateful for you that they're doing it. And you know what? That lifts their hearts and it makes it so easy because all of a sudden for them, they're feeling good. They're feeling empowered. Like they're, you're actually lifting them up. Hmm. But then sometimes we have a boss. They'll come and give us some instruction and it's it's very weighty for us. Yeah. And, you know, they're just chucking a big old chore on our shoulders, not thinking about the weight that we're bearing. Right. And here's the thing that I've noticed that when we bear those weights uh, without complaining, uh, without being angry or bitter about it, but just doing it and actually confronting the challenge head on, then when we finally turn in the thing, then they have this revelation of gratitude. Hmm. Of course, you can do the same job and you can turn it in and you've been mumbling and grumbling to yourself and you're going to say, oh, okay, good, you know. They're not going to be as as thankful. Well, you didn't do it selflessly. So now you need to bear this weight and you need to bear it cheerfully. Wow. And that will wake up in the other person the gratitude that you're desiring. If they don't, you know, encourage you in your heart by, you know, holding you up in their thoughts and with gratitude while you're doing their deed. Yeah. You can still bear that weight and then some. Yeah. And that will have an alternative impact on them. That will make them see, whoa, the weight that you just bared or what 
exactly you did was tremendous. Yeah. And they will cognate on that. Wow. That is amazing stuff. So essentially, if you choose gratitude, no matter which side, which position you're oh, in, yeah. it will reciprocate. Exactly. You, it will help to create gratitude in the other person. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's amazing stuff. Yeah. Finally, all right. Finally, uh, we'll talk about needing needs and contentment contents. And I, I think I might have already jumped into this a little bit. Yeah, we did. So when you need something, you continue to feel uh, need because it's not going to come to you because mm-hmm. you need it. I right. know this seems like basic, you know, LOA 101. That's a law of attraction for y'all if you don't know. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it goes in the smallest levels of needing somebody to take care of something, needing somebody to, you know, help you out. Like I have this problem. You have to call the company and the representative could, you know, they hold the cards in their hand. They can go one way or the other. Right. And you could sit there in your thoughts and think, I need her to do this. She needs to do this, do this, do this. And the more you need her to, you know, roll over the charge or to make that call and figure out what the problem is, the more resistance that you'll have, the less, you know, desire she'll have to help you. Yeah. But if you're content, I always like, especially when I got to make tough calls like that or whatever, I always pray that God makes, helps everything go good. And that puts me in the frame of mind of, you know, peace, and I'm already in a loving state of compassion with the other person, and that inspires them to do things for you that uh, otherwise they wouldn't be compelled. They don't know why they're compelled to do those things. They just have a feeling that it'll make them feel good. Hey, I feel like, you know, let me see what I can do for you. Because, you know, you're carrying, you know, you're carrying contentment in spite of, you know, the challenge of it being a burden. In spite of your need, you're still being content. And that's a that's a challenge, and you're overcoming that, and that creates good things from other people. Wow. And there's people that are suffering, they're starving, but at the same time, you know, they're bitter and things like that, and it's like nobody's helping them, you know? And so even if you're a passers-by, you can lift up in compassion. You can, you know, one-up them always and say, well, my heart's maybe not feeling the most compassion for their situation. And maybe it's even because of what they're thinking and feeling, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to preemptively bear the compassion necessary to, to take, to get me to where I need to be in order to help them to get them the result. You know, you can, no matter where you're at, no matter how hard it is to do it, you can do it anyway. And you're going to end up changing the other person. And if you want to make it easier and incline people towards helping you, you know, you can have that, you know, peaceful, open disposition, uh, and uh, and just letting it go, letting go, and let, letting God, and then all of a sudden, you know, ooh, so you know, something brings exactly what you're thinking about. Yeah, yeah, and that's the magical way that the universe works. It is, and it's beautiful. You, you may feel like that's 101 information for a lot of people, you know, like you said, LA, maybe 102, 101. But yeah, to me, it's like even some of these things that may feel so simple to you when you say them, Robert. I think that it's extremely helpful for a lot of people, no matter where they're at on their path or where they think they're at. You know, some of these little nuggets may just drop in and they go, oh, you know, I didn't realize I was holding on to that thing instead of letting it go. And that's why the law of attraction hasn't been working for me. Mm -hmm. I haven't really been trusting God with this thing, you know, and and I just didn't even see it. So I'm glad you pointed that out. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. I also, I don't mean to make it sound so simple because a lot of these ideas have come through many years of coming to a place where, oh, okay, now it's duh, but it doesn't right. start duh. 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, well, what do we got? Like a minute left? We got a couple minutes left. Um, I think uh, the main thing, though, aside of, you know, asking God for stuff, is if you are wanting to go into another dimension, and that's what the show is about, my major breakthrough into these other dimensions, consciously entering into them, came by way. I said, well, if all these things that I've manifested can come, I want. how do I apply that to seeing into another dimension? And so I visualized one night before I went to bed, myself walking down a sidewalk in the daylight, and every so often I would look over to the side. I would turn my head over to the side and look off to the grass, and therein and thereabouts I would see a spiritual world. And then I would look forward, and this is the best way I could illustrate to myself being in both worlds, to be in this world and that world. I wasn't thinking in like, okay, an overlapped world, you know, quite yet. So I'm thinking, how do I enter into that world while I'm still awake? So I had that happen. I did that visualization in a couple weeks' time in conjunction with some other, you know, sort of intentions. uh, I came to the information, had a major breakthrough of being able to see – you know, with some degree of elementary clairvoyance. And I think it was because I, you know, took the time to try to visualize and manifest, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. So the scriptures say, you know, to covet the gifts of the Spirit. Be a glutton of the Word. Don't be a glutton, but be a glutton of the Word. Yeah. Don't covet things, but covet the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, you know, if maybe you're training and all your focus has been on getting stuff, turn around and apply it to the spiritual things that you want and that's the real treasure that's the gift that keeps on giving Hmm. so anyway it's been a great journey adam will be on uh uh, various shows in the future i'm sure and uh, like i said this is going to be a podcast for now on so it's going to be off the air here so visit us at spiritualrealities.net like it the facebook page facebook.com forward slash spiritual realities and uh we're on spotify itunes and all that Have a great day, y'all. The most important thing in life is the power of your word. Make your word your lover. Connect with it.